crowd goes wild. We're back, we're back, we're back. <laughs> what up, what up? What's up, what's up? Gary, I need you to play Mace. Welcome back. Yeah. We're trying to get us all copyright infringed, jammed <laughs> up and whatnot. Man, you know we can't play that song. We don't have a, what they call it, we don't have a rights to the use. I never I never under, oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be quiet. My bad. Look, you, look it, it is it's Saturday, it's September the third. House talk pregame is back. It's football season. It's football's football season. Hey everybody. Happy Saturday. And it's Welcome. Labor Day weekend. But I ain't doing no labor this weekend. <laughs> None at all. None at all. This is all I got. This is all I got. This is my the extent of my labor for this weekend. What's up, fellas? How you what doing? Up? What up? So, I'm so. doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. We're alive. We're alive. We got children. Okay. Good, good, good. We're alive. We're alive. We're better than okay. You know, today we got chosen to make an impact, influence, and live yes. our lives every step, every breath, every day. So we're more than okay. We're alive and we're living. Indeed, Amen. indeed, Amen. indeed. Amen. What about you, sir, Mr. Virginia? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's been a, it's, it was a quick two and a half month break, you know. It really was. I, it re <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, though. I was kind of bored on my Saturday mornings. I had, you know, Got so used to, you know, getting in the routine of being ready at 1030, yes. waiting to log in and then chopping it up for two hours. Like, I kind of missed that. So I'm, I'm excited to be back. Yes. Season three, football's back. Football. I don't know if y'all watched any football uh, this week at all, but football has been crazy so far this week. ODU wow. beat Virginia Tech last night. Um, wow. Shoot, who else had an upset? Somebody else had an upset earlier this week. We got HBCU football back today. Man, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm excited. It, it's football. Like, I mean, it's football season. It really is. We love all sports. Don't get us wrong. House Talk loves we all do. sports. We do. But we're passionate about football. football. So, you know, <laughs> argue argue with your mama on that one. Argue with your mama, all right? So, <laughs> Ronnie, so look, Ronnie, I got silver fingernails. Guess why? <sighs> Guess why, Ronnie? Why? Why? Because, Ronnie, you forgot. You used you know what that might be the closest to silver y'all get this year because y'all will not be holding up that silver lombardi trophy so paint your fingernail go and put a little lombardi trophy on each fingernail you know <laughs> ring me you know what all that good stuff Look, i got um, and i got my, my silver watch i got i'm ready you know what's crazy? By the time my son is probably in, in middle school age, y'all might get to the NFC. No, act like that is so unattractive to no. Bill behave. He's going to start the season off properly. Well, one of my friends the other day told me that Cowboy fans are like Yankee fans, that we haven't won in so long. And like Chicago Bulls fans. Hey, 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 hey. We don't talk about Yankees hey, like that. They better not talk about no Yankees like that. Hey, oh hey, 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 hey. You better not do that. Uh-uh. I'm, I'm from Virginia, but I'm a Yankees fan since uh, 01, all right? Since 01. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm lying. The Subway Series was 2000. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Yankees fans. I apologize. Well, Subway Series Hopefully the Yankees and Dallas will win the chip this year. <laughs> Yankees, yes. Dallas, hey, look, Chris, we ain't got to put that bad energy out there already, man. We ain't got to do positive energy on this show, man. Positive energy, you know, but but look, God don't like ugly gentlemen. God does not like ugly <laughs> Uh, uh. Y'all, we are excited to be back. We have a very special guest with us, one of our favorite guests we've had from our previous season. Mr. Chris Laura is joining us for seat for episode one of season three. Chris, we appreciate you being back, man. We got so much to catch up with you on in a few minutes, man. So let's go. All right. So, like we said, y'all, season three, we're doing a couple things different this season. All right. You know, for starters. We got a little bit shorter time this season, all right? We're only on the air for 60 minutes this season, yeah. but don't worry. Quality over quantity sometimes, all right? That's right. So we're going to give y'all the most action-packed, gym-dropping, informative hour that we possibly can give y'all each and every week for yeah. this season. But also on top of that, exclusively this football season, we have a new little uh, addition to our show this year that we're going to do, and I think it's going to be really cool. 
So you know how each, you know, each season we talk about football, talk about all the sports and everything, talk about the games of the week and whatnot. We're going to do a little something different this season. So I was talking to Dr. Pitts in one of our little off-season brainstormers and whatever. I'm like, you know what? We ain't never had a friendly wager. You know, we always talk trash about the Cowboys and, you know, how they'll never win and anything. But I don't want you to feel like you have to take L's all your life. So I presented an opportunity for Dr. Pitts to possibly get a win in her life because her Cowboys ain't going to do it. So what we got here is... Yes, he ain't changed at all. Didn't gain no respect on the break. Just ignorant. Go ahead. Ignorant. I know your mama thought you better. It's rude. Rude and ill-behaved. That's why he froze now. Refresh. See? See I told you God don't like ugly. That's what happens when you talk that trash. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, now we can. That's why you uh -oh. froze. Oh, we see man. the top of your bald head. I see, I see what you did there. So I see you told the powers that be going mess with my internet a little bit, but it's all good though. So look, so at the end of our show, we're going to do something called College Game Day Scoreboard. Now, mm -hmm. um, shout out to College Game Day on ESPN for doing this for the last umpteen years. We're yeah. paying homage to y'all by this. So we're going to be choosing from 10 HBCU football games each week. All right. We're going to pick who we think will win. And also our guests for each show during the uh, football season will also have an opportunity to participate and join in. So we're talking about wages and whatnot. Look, inflation is real. So monetary wages, you know, like, you know, hey, budget cuts, all right? Not fair. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to rob Dr. Pitts because, you know, hey, I'm being a little biased, you know, I'm going to win. But neither here nor there. So we came up with a wager. So at the end now of the season. Now you got all them concussions. It's making you delusional. So at the end of the season, after after week 11, whoever has the best record, if I win, Dr. Pitts has to wear the all-loving Eagles jersey that she so loves desperately and secretly, even though she's a diehard Cowboys fan. We know that her real NFC East team is fly, Eagles, fly. However, if she Straight into wins, a tractor and trailer grill. However, if she wins, I have to don a Cowboys jersey. Hat, scarf, wristbands, and tennis shoes. <clears throat> yes, he does. That's a toe. And a sign that says, I love them boys. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. I made I the stakes very high. I'm betting a lot on myself this season. And so far, I guessed also. So, like I said... Chris will have the first opportunity to set the bar really high for all of our mm -hmm. guests during the season. Mm -hmm. So whichever one of our guests has the best record will also win a prize um, at the end of the season that we would deliver mm -hmm. to them for, you know, for the championship. So looking forward to that at the end of the show, we'll get back to that mm -hmm. at the end. But like we said, we got a great topic lineup for you all this season. Um, wait a minute. Oh no. Dr. Pitts, can you please read off the topic because my computer screen is frozen over here. Oh, what if I don't have it up, Ronnie? I have it up, but I can't switch the my screen. The mental game. You can't control everything in sports. There are so many things outside of your direct control in sports. Focusing on the uncontrollable impacts you in several ways. What exactly can you control in sports? We're going to talk about it today. We're going to peel back the layers of it. We're going to get to the nitty gritty and find out what being a control freak looks like <laughs> in sports. How's that doing for you? How's that working out for you? I know, I know, I know a control freak in sports, but we're going to get to that later because um, <clears throat> oh, just might be the reason why they ain't such. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, we got a really great topic lined up for you all today. Like we said, you know, having that issue, you know, being a control freak or, or feeling like you have to have supreme control, whether you're a coach, uh, manager, owner, operator, uh, even, you know, down to the team captain and stuff like that. Yeah. Having, you know, feeling like you have to have control over every situation. We know in sports, you can only control so much, you know, at the end of the day, we know we'll talk about giving your best, leaving it all on the field, mm -hmm. the court, all those type of things. So we're really going to hash into this conversation in a, in a few minutes. Um, Dr. Pitts, do you have any mental health tips that you would like to share before we go ahead and get started? I do. I'm just going to share one real, real quick in the instance of time. Um, I right. really want everybody to be mindful of this connection. And you're gonna, it's going to sound weird, but this connection between the jigsaw puzzle and 
control. And what I mean by that is if you've ever put together a jigsaw puzzle, especially one that's really large, you pour all the pieces out the box, some of the color pieces are facing up, some of the pasteboard gray is ilky facing down, and it can look really confusing, it can look really uninviting, it can look really unattractive. But regardless, every single solitary piece of that puzzle is a part of the whole puzzle. It's what creates the beauty that's represented on the, the front of the box once you get it all together. The same thing applies to our lives, regardless of how uninviting, unattractive, or confusing elements of our lives will be, even the aspects of our lives that we have absolutely positively no control over, the, every single ounce of those things is still an integral part of who we are holistically. And you have to be able to understand who you are holistically so that if you do struggle with controlling issues, and I'm going to you know, interject throughout the show while we're kicking it, to give you insight about what does all of this mean from a clinical perspective and why it's so important that if you find that you are a control freak, that you understand why and how to combat it from a psychological perspective so that you're not getting in your own way of achieving the things that you ultimately want to achieve in your life. So the, that being stated, the tip is that awareness, right? You have to be able to own whether or not you're a control freak. You have to be able to know, is this who I am? And really simply put, a control freak is somebody who has an obsession of getting things done in a certain way. A control freak can become distressed when someone causes a deviation in the way they prefer to do things. A control freak can also describe a person who tries to make others do things the way they want them done, even if other people prefer to do it another way, and even if the initial person has no good reason for interfering. And from an athletic perspective, the first thing that came to mind when I thought about that is those teams that allow their quarterbacks to call the plays versus those teams where the coach or the offensive coordinator is calling the plays and what that looks like. But we'll get more into that. But it's all about awareness. You have to know and own and be, be real with yourself about whether or not you're a control freak and why, because you cannot conquer something that you're unwilling to acknowledge and confirm. That's all I have. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Pierce. Thank you. Always. I see how you're starting the season off, starting off hot. All right. I appreciate that. So my mental health tip of the week, um, as you all know, if you listen to us in our previous season, I love affirmations. Um, and I think it's especially important to practice affirmations as much as possible, because as much as we lean on and rely on, you know, our villages and our support systems, you know, be there to, to give us that emotional support and that guidance and that reassurance. At the end of the day, you have to be able to have a space and place in your own heart to be able to boost your own head up, to be able to hype yourself up, pick yourself up, remind yourself of who you are sometimes. So um, I just want to read off some affirmations for, you know, student athletes out there um, getting ready to start their seasons, you know, getting ready to start off their, you know, semesters or school years or whatever the case may be. Um, first and foremost, I'm allowed to prioritize rest without feeling bad about it. I know that rest is a necessity and not a luxury. I know, especially for, you know, college athletes, professional athletes and, and things like that. You know, I, I would say at professional level, I'm pretty sure they prioritize sleep a whole lot better than student athletes mm -hmm. do at the college mm -hmm. level and high school level. I would hope so, at least, you know, you're getting paid, you know, a bunch load of money. And we hear about athletes at that level prioritizing sleep and speaking on how important mm -hmm. it is. But oftentimes, you know, for our college athletes and some of our high school athletes, you know, trying to be young, trying to enjoy everything at one time. And, you know, you can only do so much, you know, your body does have a limit. So make sure that you prioritize rest as much as you prioritize being out there, being social mm -hmm. and everything like that. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your athletic career to make sure you prioritize that rest. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to congratulate myself for how far I've come while acknowledging that there's more work to be done. And I think this is really important affirmation because I think sometimes, you know, for the younger, the newer generation of, of our student athletes and our younger athletes, you know, social media is a big prevalent thing. And I think sometimes, and we'll talk about this in a future show, but I think oftentimes when we see, you know, kids and even athletes, you know, um, congratulating themselves on social media, patting themselves on the back, you know, from the outside looking in, a lot of people will be like, well, you really haven't accomplished nothing. You know, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but you're over here, you know, 
making it seem like you're doing all this. There's a fine line between, you know, patting yourself on the back and saying, you know, yeah, I've done a good job, but also, like I said, acknowledging that, yeah, there's still more work to do. If you have any goals, yeah, it can be inspiring and motivating to, you know, post on social media and post, you know, your, uh, your accomplishments and everything, but that motivation runs out quickly. So make sure you also staying consistent with those goals as well. <clears throat> My next affirmation. I am not an imposter. I have worked hard to be here and I belong here. Oftentimes we see this a lot with our college athletes when they get to college for the first time. You know, oftentimes when you're in high school, you were the man of your town, you were all state, you know, all metro, whatever the case may be. You were the person at your school. You were the alpha male. When you get to college, you know, hey, everybody at that level was mm -hmm. the alpha male. Everybody at oh, that yeah. level was all American, or all state or all metro. Everybody was their person at their school. And sometimes, you know, for some freshmen, that can be intimidating. That can be, you know, overwhelming because now the level of competition is right where you're at. And as much as so, as much as some student athletes like to say, yeah, I want to face the best and be against the best until you go against the best all around you, you know, you have to mm -hmm. be ready for that. But don't let that second guess you. Don't second guess your skills. Don't second yeah. guess your talent. Don't second guess what got you there. You got mm -hmm. there for a reason. Those coaches recruited you and saw something in you that even though you might not be too sure of what it is right then and there, they mm -hmm. trust in you that you can fulfill and manifest what you need to be as a student athlete. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you're an imposter. You didn't get there by, by happenstance or by just pure luck. You earned it. You deserved it. So go out there and get what's yours. My last affirmation, I am free of doubt and fear all around the goals I've set for myself. Mm. At the end of the day, Every, every athlete, you know, little league, high school, college, professional, every athlete, a coach asks you at the beginning of the season, what's your goals? What's your personal goals? What's your team goals? <clears throat> Obviously, you know, in an ideal world, any goal we set for ourselves personally, professionally, athletic, whatever the case may be, ideally, we would love for it to go the way we want it to. As we're talking about having that control, if we could control the scenarios, we could control the narrative, we would want everything to go the way we want it to. But we know that doesn't always work that way. Life doesn't work where everything is ideal or everything just manifests the way it's supposed to be. But don't allow those, don't allow those insecurities or those anxieties, although even those little seeds of doubt to tarnish your goals. I always mm -hmm. tell people, set goals, no matter what it's for, whether it's for school, whether it's for your uh, career, whether it's for athletics, finances, you know, relationship, set goals. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But look, understand, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be road bumps. There's going to be failures. There's going to be disappointments along the way. But don't allow those seeds or those moments to ruin what you set for yourself. I always tell people, when that motivation runs out, stay consistent. So those yeah. are my affirmations for this week. I hope you all enjoyed those. And I keep it pushing. Chris, anything you would like to share, man? Any any mental, You always dropping mental health gems on social media, man. So any, any, any mental health tips you want to leave for the folks this morning? Um, um... Uh, I'll tag along with what you were saying about sleep. So, you know, I'm Chris Works on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and I believe in works. So I also have um, this thing I believe called 24-7. I don't believe that people should be working 24-7 because that's not real. There's no way to sustain a, a life like that. So mm -hmm. I have this new thing that I call 24, the hours in a day, and seven, the hours of sleep you should have in one day. Because okay. is the, sleep is the ultimate remedy. You know, okay. we can be anywhere in the world. We can be in the Middle East. We can be in India. We can be in China. We can be in the United States. We can be in, in, the, in the Caribbeans. We can have diarrhea. We can have COVID. We can have all these illnesses. Um, everybody has a different soup. Everybody has a, a different ethnic spice that they like to use. And everybody uses vapor mm -hmm. rub, right? But um, the, 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 the common... Um, thing the common remedy for illness is sleep mm. so i want to definitely get that resting resting i definitely want to like pick you up pick you up for what you were saying about sleep because um i was just speaking about this with my my basketball team and my friends as well you cannot heal your trauma your body your muscles your your nervous system if you don't sleep and um the second thing that i'm gonna give out here that tag is along to the number seven is the, um, something that I believe in and something that I'm working on is the seven pillars of health. Mm. I believe that healing is holistic. So it is uh, physical, it is nutritional, it is financial, it is emotional, it is mental, it is spiritual, and it is also intimate. So mm. just understanding that 
healing and health is holistic. It's not just mm-hmm. one thing. So 24-7, seven hours of sleep and seven pillars of health. Health is holistic. That's what I got for today as far as gems. Man, good stuff, that's, good see, stuff, good stuff. That's dope, man. That's, that's really dope, man. That, that's a great way to break it down. And, and you're right, man. Everybody always thinks, you know, it's 24 hours of the day. You got to maximize all those hours. Actually, there's only 12 hours in the day. It's 12 hours at nighttime, too. You know, we always think, you know, and I saw a quote. It just said, if people really knew that there wasn't 24 hours in the day, they wouldn't work eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a good one. Really? That's a caption. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Man, so like we said, you know, so our topic for this is you can't control everything in sports. And I think this is a great segue to go ahead and jump into our topic because, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about control, you know, as humans in our nature, control oftentimes brings security, brings reassurance, brings comfort, mm-hmm. you know, and and in our society, you know, those kind of go against the things that we always talk about. You know, the more control you can have, the more you can kind of quell your anxieties, quell your insecurities, mm-hmm. quell your fears, because control means that I am in control of my situation. I don't have to worry about these things because I know exactly what's going on. How many times have we seen in sports where, matter of fact, for those who are UFC fans, if you watched UFC 278 last week, um, the, the I think it was the welterweight champion, Kamara Usman, number one, I think he had a 16 game, I mean, 16 win fight streak and all that. They were predicting him to go down as one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time in his weight class. Literally the last 50 seconds of the fight, by all accounts, they said all he had to do was just stand there for 50 seconds. The belt's his again. He's going to be the greatest of all time. All that. Knocked out cold. The mm. last 50 seconds of the fight. By all accounts, everybody in that building thought he had it under control. He had dominated the first four rounds, was in complete control of the fight. In one slip-up, one mm. head lean to the right too far, met with a left kick to the temple, Boom. ended all of that. That Serena got eliminated from the U.S. Open yesterday. Yeah, I, I watched that match last night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at times, Serena was controlling the match. She she was ex, uh, exuding her dominance and everything. Mm-hmm. And then there was moments where, you know, hitting the net, you know, fouling mm-hmm. on the ace and everything. She lost mm-hmm. control and eventually lost the match. So, you know, we see this in sports so many times. We can bring up the Super Bowl between Seattle and New England back in 20... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, all Seattle had to do was run the ball. That's all you had to do. Game was in complete control. And then we saw what happened. Malcolm Butler made one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl in football history. And so, you know, (laughs) control control feels good. Control sounds good. Mm-hmm. But we oftentimes know that, and, and we talk about this on a clinical level all the time, there's only so many things as individuals that we can actually control. Right. And when we really think about the things that you actually have control over, you start to realize that really the only thing you really have control over in this world is you, the individual. That's right. That's right. To a certain degree, no, but yes. Mm-hmm. Look, and some people can't even control themselves. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Which is why they end up in therapy. Exactly. So, and in, in even that situation, that's an ideal situation that we are responsible. We control ourselves yeah. if it was an ideal situation. So, absolutely mm-hmm. right. So, but why do we why do we yearn for control so much? What mm-hmm. is it about control that we need, even as individuals, but also as athletes? You know, mm-hmm. I can I can always remember from even from little league. You know, coaches. You know, harping on the point of discipline, knowing your assignment, knowing where you have to be. The more you know the easier the game gets, the more you can control amongst the game. We see, Dr. Piss mentioned this as well. We see this amongst quarterbacks all the time. The more a quarterback can show that they can control the tempo of a game, control the play calling, control how they di- distribute the ball and everything, the more they're given responsibilities and rights and stuff like that. That's why Tom Brady's the GOAT. He can read a daggone defense. It, it doesn't make a difference what is going on. He's like, you remember in the, the original or maybe it was the second Terminator with the 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 Ryzen machines, and they had like that scan thing that they did. Yeah. That's what he reminds me of. Yeah. He reminds me of the Terminator because when he's on his A game, he's shredding defense, shredding, yeah. and it's like he's he's just not missing any. It's like yo, he's got like twenty five eyes everywhere. Right. He's seeing everything. Yeah, and even- absolutely. I feel like I feel like like 
control is something that's subjective because mm-hmm. right and, it, and it's tailored to the individual because if Tom Brady if everybody had Tom Brady skill then they'd be in control so NFL some, will be boring <laughs> yeah yeah some people control things differently like peer pressure anxiety skill yep. reading losing yeah. even look at it from a basketball perspective like look when we when we think of, of Kobe Bryant and stuff like that you know that mama mm-hmm. mentality but you know in his passing, you know, mama mentality has definitely been, you know, more um, desensitized and more glorified mm-hmm. for being this all-inspiring thing. But mm-hmm. when Kobe was Kobe in the NBA and the mama, mama mentality was real, that control that he demanded and commanded not only of his teammates, but the organization yeah. as a whole, Kobe had that organization in a chokehold for his entire 20-year career. But also the level of work he put in, the attention, the detail, mm-hmm. the sacrifices he was willing to make to put mm-hmm. himself in that position. We talk about it all the time, you know, even as individuals, when we consider great leaders and stuff like that, great leaders understand that at a moment's notice, you have to be accountable for the things you've done prior and getting ready to do. Mm-hmm. And if there comes a time where somebody calls you on that, you have to be willing to hold yourself accountable to that, despite mm-hmm. who's calling you out on it. Hope was one of those people he was going to hold himself to a level of accountability so high that you couldn't even fathom calling something out on him that he already didn't know about himself to that point. And in that Can moment, I ask that a question moment, about that though, it's, and, and you know, I love Kobe, but not taking anything from his career and, and all that he accomplished, but I want to, Chris, I, I, I want to ask you from a coaching perspective and Ronnie, I want to ask you from a player's perspective, when when that's the case, right? Because mm-hmm. Kobe was the the player; he wasn't the coach. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like in real time when you have a player that, if I may, that I mean, rightfully so, but that's overbearing and domineering like that? Mm-hmm. Can that be like we saw the benefits of it? But can that be a detriment to the cohesion of? the coach with the rest of the team? Because it's like, well, who are the players listening to? The lead player, or are they listening to the coach? Can that be problematic from a coaching perspective? And then how do you see that as a as a co-player, Ronnie? Chris, you got it. Uh, uh, well, look, listen, um, there's two sides to every coin. Mm-hmm. I feel like it can be something that is extremely important and vital in a team. And mm-hmm. I also feel that it's something that can be detrimental to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaches and a player's um, standpoint, I've always go- grown up um, being that that voice and that force on the field or on the basketball court. And the mm-hmm. same thing with coaching. So when you have players who want it just as much as the coach and hold the franchise, the players, the coaching staff accountable, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is great because you know what you're going to get on, on a day in and day out. But it also has to do with levels because a lot of people cannot take that type of accountability, that type of coaching. So that's why I was saying that control is subjective. Me, I would love if I can have one or two players that will be in practice every single day, will hold their players accountable to do all their homework, make sure you're getting your nighttime sleep, make sure you're watching on the film, and that's going to make us better and collectively go towards our goal. Um, Me as a coach and coaching in high school, I feel like 95% 95% of the time, I'm the person that's doing the motivation. I'm the mm. person that's facilitating. I'm the person that's quote unquote controlling. But we also have to think about the level of IQ and the level of experience these kids have. So I'm mm. speaking from a high school point of view. Now, mm. from a professional's point of view, um, Ronnie, you played you know collegiate sports, but I can speak about professionally how you can see this in the professional sense that once people get a paycheck, they're not really motivated and there's no incentive to show up anymore. Mm-hmm. So having the person that is not worried about extrinsic rewards and having that Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James type of player, Stephen Curry, intrinsic reward, like I want to do this because I want to win deep down inside. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. That's something that you need. So it could be, it could be, it could be dicey. Ronnie? Absolutely. Chris. And I think, you know, I think it goes both ways. I think, you know, I think in football, it's a little bit different because like, you know, when we think about like, you know, just, I mean, those stud players and stuff like that, you know, like those just absolute dogs, like even in the game of football, there's so many variables and so many things going on at one time. Like you can have a player who's absolutely disruptive, 
like for example, Lawrence Taylor, for example. I mean, just absolute disruptive menace of a football player. By far, arguably one of the greatest defensive players to ever touch the football field at any level. Mm-hmm. Don't care who you argue with. It is what it is. Somebody that great, somebody who commanded a level of respect from an offense that we have to know where 56 is at all times. Yeah, like that level of control that he exuded on offenses because of his just athleticism, his talent and things like that. Yeah, that can definitely be a benefit. Now, also, I think I think great players want to have want to be coached. And I think we see that like the, the great players, the really good ones. Like when you think of Tom Brady, he had Bill, Bella, Bill Belichick, absolute defensive genius of a mind. When you take it from basketball, um, I think LeBron James might be the only exception who didn't necessarily have like a great, great coach. I think it's safe to say he probably had coaches he's tolerated and he could probably maybe take a couple pointers from. But when we think of Kobe and Jordan, they had Phil Jackson, you know, somebody who commanded, you know, hey, look, as great as you are, I'm a great mind. And I think that I think when you can learn from each other, when you get to that level of greatness or your your talent is just exuding to a point where it's like a coach should know, like, all right, I can't BS with this player. Like he's going to know he's going to figure it out that I just can't BS with him and just sell him anything. When you have a coach like that, yeah, that dynamic of a team and stuff like that of who we're going to listen to, the the great player or the coach, yeah, that can kind of fracture a locker room and things like that, and it can cause dissension and things like that. But I think from a coach's standpoint, even like the really great coaches, the ones who, you know, are the the wizards and the the aficionados Mm -hmm. of their sport and everything, I think for them being able to understand that I have to be – I can't coach everybody the same. You know, I have a, a collective of individuals that we have to work as one unit. But yeah, I have to cater to each individual in a specific way to make the collective work. So I think it can go hand in hand, but it also can be very detrimental just depending on, you know, the the, the mindset and also the egos of the coaching player. You know, mm. if, like I think, we, I think we're seeing now in New England, for example, you know, now that Tom Brady has gone to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl down there and everything like that. You know, from the outside looking in, it almost can appear that, you know, Bill Belichick is kind of scrambling, you know, like, for example, this season, he's calling the plays and he's not telling, you know, he's a defensive coach, but he's having his hand in the offense because now he feels like this narrative of, well, everybody said I'm this all time great coach. I'm the greatest coach ever because I also had one of the greatest players ever. And there's always been this debate. Well, who was it? Was it Tom Brady? That was the reason they won or was it Bill Belichick? And we're starting to see Bill kind of like, you know, not scramble, but it's also like he's not like, well, we ain't really won since Tom left. So let me go ahead and take it's, over. It seems moves. like his rhythm is off. It's it like is. he's lost, it feels like yeah. he's lost his rhythm. Yeah, exactly. and that's also like a very like dicey situation, you know, because like we have great coaches who just don't get the talent ever again to coach a player to that caliber, right? Like uh-huh. we like when you think about um the Spurs, right? We have Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili. Popovich, one of the great all-time minds in basketball, that's a great coach. He hasn't had the opportunity to coach players on that skill level in a long time. So it, it, it can kind of go as well as what Bill Belichick, right? Like we can say that him and Tom Brady were best of friends and probably watching film 24-7 and they made each other better. And Bill hasn't had the opportunity to probably groom somebody or have a player of that caliber. But yeah, like, like you know, like what you're saying is like, it can be both. It can be great and yep. it can be horrible because exactly. in the perfect world that's what this is something i wanted to say in the disney world movie in, in the disney movie right kobe Bryant, michael jordan and lebron james tom brady is the leader and the captain on the team in the disney world movie mm-hmm. in real sports we always know that a lot of the times the best player is not the leader and the one that's holding everybody mm-hmm. accountable. Yeah. A example of that is draymond green Draymond Green, he knows his role to perfection. He's not going to make any more threes than Stephen Curry or Klay Thompson. He's not going to dunk the ball. He's not going to cross anybody. But he is a leader in his own where he is a coach on the floor as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so in in Disney World, the best player is the coach on the floor. But in real life, Ronnie, as you know it, like – it's not the guy that's scoring the touchdowns, that's getting the sacks and all that. That is the leader, the heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. Yep, always. And, and that's a very great – go ahead, Dr. Pitts. Well, I was just going to ask um, – so 
let's tie that to college. Like when everybody, you know, Jackson State now, they've got Deion Sanders as their head coach. And we look at how extraordinary a player he was. And, and I feel like the word control comes up when you talk about him when he was still playing. He controlled. <laughs> like he was a, you knew mm-hmm. if he touched that ball, chances are he was going to score. Like he didn't, he wasn't somebody that missed a lot of his, he just did the darn thing. How does being an extraordinary player, to your point about the different athletes that you mentioned, that do have all of this control and dominance in their respective sport, what does that look like if they make the transition to coaching? Can a coach be too controlling? Oh, absolutely. I think I think we see this. I think, you know, for example, like, you know, he's not necessarily a coach, but he's in an ownership position. Look at Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. As great as great as he is, mm-hmm. terrible general manager, mm-hmm. terrible at it. And I mean, and sometimes that happens and you hear this all the time. Like when you have somebody who's like an all time great and just a Pantheon player, they look at other people from that lens, from that scope, mm-hmm. from that standard of like, well, I set a standard of this as a player. So this is what I look for in other players. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's hard, it's hard for people like that to understand that, sir. Everybody doesn't have a, that capacity. Yeah, like you are, you're a once in a century type of person. Like you're not a- like nature. <laughs> yeah, you're not just somebody that's born every month of the year that we can just go find. That's not how it works. You yeah. can find people who are really, really good, but they're mm-hmm. not you. But if you overlook the really, really good because you're looking for you, but yeah. then, you know, yeah, you can have that issue. And I think oftentimes, I think I think coaches can be really detrimental when they everything has to be about them. The team goes mm-hmm. because of them. The team, the team is, is successful because of them. I mm-hmm. found these players because of me. I, I groomed this talent because of me. I go out there and produce these results for our team because of me, because of my mind, because of my preparation. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, two things can be true. You can be a great coach and a great preparer, great leader mm-hmm. of men and all that. But if you if you can't be flexible, if you can't be approachable, if you can't be, mm-hmm. you know, relatable to your players, at the end of the day, as, as players, we know when you're being real and when you're trying to put on a facade. Mm-hmm. Like we respect realness. Like at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we're going out if for football, for example, are we going out there to smash heads for 60 minutes? Like you know, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. Like, we don't care about, you know, sometimes the flashiness and all that. We want to win. We want to know that you're going to put yeah. us in the position to go out there and do our thing. Because if we mm. go out there and get embarrassed, and it's mm. your game plan that you keep on telling us is so solid and so perfect, but we can't we can't seem to figure it out. So mm. that's on you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because, because, all right, we, we, we have to look at this just like health is holistic, control is holistic, right? So there, a coach can do, okay, a coach can do a great job of preparing a game plan Mm -hmm. and he can do a great job of facilitating and teaching the game plan. It's also up to the player to receive the game plan. So there could be like a disconnect there as well, right? Then also there can be something that we've been talking about, Dr. Pritch brought up earlier, the ego. Maybe the coach has the ego to control or the player has the ego, right? Mm-hmm. So going back to control. And um, a coach's job is to prepare his players to be mm-hmm. in the best position to win, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of professional athletes, um, professional leagues and high school and college, they play each other two times a year. Mm-hmm. So the first time that you play each other, you might not be in full control. You can be in control as far as what you prepared for, um, the game plan, and maybe how to execute. Mm-hmm. But you might not know what's going on in game one. You're just feeling each other out for the first game. For the right. second game, the coach's job is to watch film, break down film, and then get the player to mm-hmm. execute that mm-hmm. the second game. If a player does not step out of his or her own body and watch the film and break down the film, they're not in control to make those adjustments and make those shifts for the second game of those adjustments. Like somebody who never watched film and was horrible as a quarterback, Jamarcus Russell. The guy never watched film. The coaches would give him VHS tapes and the coaches would ask him, um, did you watch the film? What play did you like? And the coaches would give him blank tapes. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Really? And, and, no one didn't watch Because the coaches knew that they weren't watching. So it's like, it's, it's, oh my, it goes back to those things that you can do too much or, or it can be detrimental. So that's why oh, I wanted yeah. to stop here. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no, you, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and it goes 50, yeah. As much as, you know, at the end of the day, the players have to go out there and play. And that's absolutely true. You know, that's the and part think, they can control. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, a coach can't, you know, as much as he can prepare them and inspire them and put them in the best position, at the end of the day, the player has to go out there and execute. And we know that, and and especially when you get to the collegiate level, especially the professional level, if the coach knows he's putting you in position, know you're receiving the message well, but you still go out out there and can't execute, hey, like our coach used to always say, if I can't change the player, I'm going to change the player. Like, and it's that simple, you know? So, I, I really agree with that, you know, and also, you know, especially, but I think the detriment for a coach is like when, when players start to realize that, you know, you're not a man of your own word is when mm-hmm. you, you start to act, you start to do things differently. When you start to let your standard down, when you start to let things slide. I think that's when you start to lose that control or that just that respect from the team is because they start to see like, oh, well, such and such is so good. Coach, let him come to practice 30 minutes later. Coach, let him skip out on film session because, oh, well, he just all this and all that. And, and that's when you start, you start to see some of that dissension and some of that, you know, kind of those those small clicks form on a team and stuff like that. And it doesn't take much sometimes. And so I think that's absolutely right. As much as a coach can control and try and put their players in the best position possible, we know that, you know, sometimes either the players can't deliver. And if that's the case, well, maybe it's just a talent, a talent thing. But also, you know, and, and that's a big thing, you know, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely you have to have the talent to make your message and your scheme and your game mm-hmm. plan go as best and ideal as possible. I wholeheartedly agree with that, you know, but also think, you know, as, as far from a coach's perspective, as a player standpoint, is we have to be able to believe you. Like we have to be able to know that you're relatable to us and that your message is going to put us in that best position. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, you know, sometimes you might have to go through a couple, you know, bumps and a couple losses here to really get that message and mesh. But, you know, if you can make that message mesh, you can really have a successful, cohesive mm-hmm. unit and a team. Mm-hmm. You seem like you want to get in here and like, give I us do. some I, Because when I think about when I think about the things that can't be controlled in play versus the things that can be controlled, you know, we touched on it in the beginning, right? It's this holistic approach to everything. And I am a firm believer that a way to break down an athlete's holistic performance is to get in their head. You get in their head, you got them. And you, you, if you can pull a player mm-hmm. off of their game, if you can oh, get yeah. in their head and pull them off their square, you now have the ability to take their focus completely off of the moment. You now have the ability to shift everything that's going on. And it, it really exploits the, and the athletes' insecurities because I believe they all have them. They would deny it, but but I believe every athlete is insecure about something. And I think that it's really important, particularly, I mean, it it applies professionally too, but I think that it's extremely important for our high school and collegiate, and, and truly even the little kids leagues too, to understand that one of the worst things that you can do is let the other players get in your head you have the ability to control what's going on up here. And if you can control what's going on up here, it makes it that much easier to control the things that you can control. There's absolutely positively, there's more that you can't control than there is that you can control. But the things that you can control, such as your mindset, such as your preparation, such as your effort and your attitude and your focus, your ability to be deliberate and intentional in controlling those things will make managing the uncontrollables that much easier because it can shift in a millisecond. And if you're not careful, if your head is not in the game, those uncontrollables will consume you like a flock of locusts, a swarm of locusts. They'll consume you and then you walking off the field or off the court or off, you know, whatever with your head hanging because they got in your head and it yeah. doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. So can you talk about that? How do you keep people from getting in your head? 
So, so Dr. Pitt, something that I wanted to, like, I want to piggyback off because this is great. Like, I feel like this is one of the, 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 the moments we've been waiting for in the conversation. What can you control and what you cannot control? Mm-hmm. Uh, things that we can control internally. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're speaking about. And then there's things that we cannot control externally, right? Yeah. We cannot control the audience. We cannot nope. control uh, the, the weather. We cannot yeah. control the officiating and the referees. Right. So genetics, we can't control size. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many pull-ups, push-ups, or stairs I run. I'm not going to be six ten, right? Right. right. So now, um, let's talk about controlling the internal things that we can control. Yeah. Because yeah. I truly do believe that a lot of these things are mental, and mm-hmm. I'm somebody who used to say it's all mental, it's all mental, until we all alluded that healing is holistic. Yeah, so there's no way that it's mental. So um, there's so much psychology going on with control and the athlete that um, things that I feel like people can't control. Let's talk about the trash talking and get into, into the mental. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have trauma inside of our bodies and we all have chemical reactions that there's a certain threshold that's hit. And it stimulates mm-hmm. something within our bodies, right? Whether it may be negative or positive. So mm-hmm. I believe that that starts with the heart, right? Because the heart, it's its own organ and the feelings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We have to think outside of the mental as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about the nervous system as well. Because you can prepare in the gym 24-7. But when mm-hmm. you're under those Friday night lights and there's 30,000, 40,000 people and they're talking about your family, they're talking about this, you mm-hmm. suck. There's a oh, lot yeah. of anxiety that occurs. And... Mm-hmm. For some people, some people, nature versus nurture. Some people were born in the jungle and that's absolutely nothing. But yeah. to some other people who are introverts or might not have the social skill, mm-hmm. or the threshold to withhold that, that might be anxiety and peer pressure on a totally different level. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want, I want to pass it on to Ronnie because Ronnie, you're in the edge of your seat right now. And like, I feel like the conversation just got started with control because I got so many stories about I'll say one story before I pass the baton over to Ronnie. Um, this I, I'm, I'm a basketball coach, right? And in the summertime, I will never coach because I hate summer tournaments because the coaches don't hold their kids accountability. There's no practice. It's like, yo, Dr. Pitts, come downstairs. We got a game, right? Oh I'm, not, I'm not doing that, right? I'm not doing that, right? So I, I, I have this one player who he's a phenomenal player, athlete. Athleticism, dy- dynamic, all-around player, probably the one of the best players in Manhattan as a senior, public, private Catholic school this year. He put mm-hmm. us on his back, and we were the number one team in the division and the borough. I went to see him this summer, and he was playing in a tough, tough tournament, and he has a talent to play in these tournaments. The, the, the crowd was wild. It was the Bronx. It was gritty. I loved it, right? And this player has won summer tournaments before, and remember, like, he's put us on his back. He did. He played poorly in the first half, and I went to go see him. And when I'm seeing him in the second game, a couple of the teammates, they huddled around me, and it's like three of us watching the game. And I'm telling them, like, yo, like, player X is not in the game. He might not play for the rest of the game. Like, it's over for him. And coach, the, the players are like, remember, they're teenagers. They're like, nah, he's always like this, whatever. He's going to come in. He's going to kill. He's going to dunk it on everybody. Watch. I'm like, guys, this is bigger than the physical. I'm like, yo, look at his body right now. Like he's going through something that he hasn't stepped outside of his body. He can't tell that he's going through depression, anxiety, or some type of pressure. And the kids mm-hmm. are like, how can you see that? And I'm like, bro, look at his right leg. His right leg is shaking like crazy. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's not in the game. He's not in the now. He can't control his feelings. He can't control what's going on in his heart or his mind. So he's not, he didn't play the whole entire second half. And the play at the end of the game, they asked me like, coach, how do you know? And the mm-hmm. same thing that I know is the same reason why I don't argue with regular fans. Mm-hmm. Because I see the <laughs> regular fans. <laughs> There's some people who only see the product on the court and they only see the physical, the running up and down, the jumping, the tackling, the dunking. And I can see inside of a human body, like body. I can see their soul, I can see their mind, and I can see their emotion. And very few people can see these things. And I'm in sports psychology. I got bachelors, I got masters and all these things. I grew up in the streets watching sports. So when I watch basketball games, I'm watching beyond the physical. And that's why I don't argue with people. Mm-hmm. And that's the mm-hmm. same exact thing I was telling the kids. I'm like, yo, this is bigger than the physical. And mm-hmm. that's why I ran on control, Ronnie. Oh, man. 
I always tell people, you know, and, and to your point, you know, you always hear the adage, you know, sports is 90% mental and 10% physical. And, you know, yeah, you know, we can skew the numbers and stuff like that. But to your point, the the only thing you can control in a game is you, the player. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I, I, I see when I, I played offensive line and, you know, as offensive line, that's a unit. It's a collective of five individuals, each doing an individual task. But if we don't move as one unit from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. it's discombobulated. It's chaotic. It, it, it's, it won't nothing get accomplished. But our coach used to always tell us control equals trust. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the person beside mm-hmm. you. When you go to war, when you always, our coach used to always say, he, I never forget it. Our coach used to walk around doing warm ups and stuff. And it used to be, it used to be funny. But now that I'm older and I really think back on it, I'm like, damn, like he must know something like, I coach used to walk around and always be like, you can come to the bar with me and get the scrapping. I trust you. He was just saying randomly. He'd just look at somebody like, yeah, you can come to the bar with me. We, you, I know you can get the scrapping with me. And he would just be like, like, why would you say that? But that comes like, when I know it gets cruddy, when it gets, in, like you said, when it gets to those mm-hmm. trenches, when it really gets to that actual trench warfare on that field, I need to know the person beside me ain't no shadow of doubt. You going mm-hmm. jumping out the window with me. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you how many times it doesn't take much to get into some people's heads. And, and to Chris's point, during the course of a game, you can just look at somebody's eye. The eyes tell a lot more than what people mm-hmm. will let you believe. And windows to the soul. Mm-hmm. When you when you can, especially being on the offensive line. Like I mean, literally, the offensive line and defensive line are literally like this far apart from each other. The only thing that separates them is the football. Outside mm-hmm. of that, you maybe have less than a foot of separation. You mm-hmm. are staring at each other right there you can mm-hmm. see i mean you can i always tell people there was no greater feeling than pancaking another individual against their will and they can't do nothing about it to mm-hmm. literally demoralize somebody on a field and they can't do nothing about it you're talking about controlling somebody like when you can control somebody during the course of a game and make them do what you want them to do you've won the game yeah now mm-hmm. the war the war is the overall did the team win or lose but that mm-hmm. battle that you go into, football is a collection of 11 individuals battling another 11 individuals. Sometimes we come across each other. Sometimes there's inner conflicts and things like that. But overall, if you can control your battle and win your battle, that's mm-hmm. all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. I, and when I was in high school, I played on a crappy high school team. And by the time I became a junior, I realized, like, we might not win the war. But damn it, I'm going to win my battle. <laughs> like, there it is. There it is. Because at the end of the day, I can't I can't sit there and point the finger at my teammate and say, "Well, you ain't do your job. Well, did you do yours? Did you right. did you did you give up a sack today? Did you have a holding penalty? Did you lose your cool and cost us unnecessary reference penalty? Did you do that? Oh, you did. So why are you pointing fingers? Because you lost your battle too. And I think so many times. And this is where you see the, the quote-unquote fake leaders and the, and the fake inspirational people on the team and stuff like that. When you know they ain't did their job, but they still feel like they can hold you to a level of accountability that they will never hold themselves to. Right. And you right. watch out for those teammates because those teammates exist. The one who don't always do what they're supposed to do on film, ain't taking the extra reps after practice, ain't sitting mm-hmm. there studying film with the coach, actually trying to get an understanding of the game plan and the, and the, the philosophy of why we're doing what we're doing. When you have, when you have teammates like that, be mindful of that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, win your battle. As yeah. an athlete, win your battle. Even in basketball, if you're the one, if you're a point guard and you know you're a, you're a distributor, make sure you're doing your job. Make sure you're putting people in the right position. If you're a quarterback of a football team, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Make sure you make sure you can hold yourself accountable <laughs> so that way when you look at your teammates, it's not, it's not you're talking at them, you're talking to them. Hey, we in this together. But you got to do your job, bro. I'll yeah. help carry you, but don't drag your feet. Chris, do you want to say something real quick? We we have two minutes, and then we need to jump into the, the um, oh, our yeah. predictions go ahead, for the game. Go ahead, close us off, Chris. Uh, no, 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 this is so awesome. I feel like we can have a whole season just on control. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the the way you guys are, and you know, I mean, Doctor Pitts and Ronnie, you are, you're starting off season three. It's it's, it's, it's looking, you know, it's phenomenal, but um, you're, you're back to control. Your coach said control is trust. So you're talking about winning the battle. You're controlling yourself. But how can you trust somebody to 
as a control freak. That's why you're a control freak because you cannot trust the other person mm-hmm. to their battle because they're not preparing how they're supposed to prepare for. But mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to talk about this control one last time. It's like there's so many things, you know, sports is one big metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you can control and there's a lot of things that we cannot control. And mm-hmm. us as a single individual, there's a lot of things you cannot control yourself. You have yeah. to think about the trauma that lives inside of our body. How many yeah. players... Um, can you tell, oh, I'm your daddy, you my son. That might hit a, a, a trigger for somebody who didn't grow up with a dad, right? So now mm-hmm. they're, they're out of their game. Or like as a man, you're supposed to grow up as a provider and a protector. They might say something about your sister, your girlfriend, your mother. Now you out of your game. We've seen this multiple times on the field where players mm-hmm. take off their helmets and beat each other up. We've seen this with Carmelo Anthony fighting Kevin Garnett over mm-hmm. some of his wife. We've seen this on a on a... On a on, on a multitude of levels. That's how that's how they say uh, the Golden State lost the uh, finals to uh, Cleveland when uh, Draymond called LeBron a B. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this is what we're saying. Like, um, sports is more than just the physical, and it's more than just the mental. It's holistic, and like that's is why like some players are the the great 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 players mm-hmm. control a lot of facets of the game: the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, their team. Mm-hmm the crowd and all these other things. So um, once again, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show because this was a great, great topic and I can't wait to be back. Yep. Absolutely, Indeed man. We definitely, got to, we definitely got to table this conversation for a, a later show, mm-hmm. but definitely, man, like absolutely. And we appreciate you sharing your knowledge and dropping gems absolutely. on here as always, man. Absolutely. It's so much appreciated, man. Let me give you this final thought before we jump into these predictions, because I think that when you, to, to Chris's point, what you just said about sports is really a metaphor for life. I think that is really important. I'm going to give it to you in a physics, through the context of physics. I think that is really important for people to understand that our feelings and our thoughts are the remote control that determines the vibrational frequency that our mind is on. And as we know in physics, everything vibrates, right? There's, a, there's, there's movement. There's this frequency that our brain functions on. And our thoughts and feelings are the remote control that determine the vibrational frequency that our mind is working on. And whatever that vibrational frequency is determines what we're emitting. It determines how we're functioning because there's this connection between our thoughts and feelings and our physical being. Hence why, if you think about it, everything was created twice. Well, what do you mean, Dr. Pitts, everything was created twice? It started with a thought. This, this Lipton peach bottle was somebody's concept in their mind first before it took form and became that bottle. It's the same thing in every aspect of our lives. So when your thoughts start to manifest or your feelings start to manifest externally, it has the ability to, to influence your ability to maintain control in sport or lose control in sport and on a greater scale in life. So I'm going to give you that, Ronnie. Let's get these predictions out of here so that we can get started to you wearing your Cowboys gear. All right. All right. So, so our first game. So fortunately for us, the beginning of the season, we have a whole bunch of HBCU, HBCU classic games to choose from. So the first game we have is the Labor Day Classic between Alabama State versus Miles College. So, Dr. Pitts, who do you have winning? Do you have Alabama State or Miles? Alabama. ASU? Yeah. All right. I'm going to select ASU as well. Chris, ASU? 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 Yes, sir. Right. Let me get my. I was off my phone the whole entire time. I, I gotta look at my picks before anything. <laughs> but so I, the next I, one, we. I'm, ready. I'm, I'm in tune. I'm in tune. I'm in tune. So, so, um, so also, so last year, just to give context, so Alabama State was five and six last year. Miles was six and five. So, um, I'm in tune. I'm in tune, brother. I I, I got this. I'm in tune. I know what's going on. So our next one, we have the Pete Richardson Classic between Southern University and Florida Memorial. Dr. Pitts, who you got? You said Southern and Florida, Florida Memorial. Memorial. Southern was four and seven last year. Um, I don't know what Florida Memorial was. I'm going to go with Florida. They were two and nine last year. Mm. I'm going to go with Florida. All right. Florida Memorial. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take uh, for the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take S. I'm gonna take SU in this one, Chris. Who you got, man? 
Florida Memorial. Florida Memorial. All right. The next game we have, we have the Carolina Classic between Benedict College, who was five and five last season, and Elizabeth City State University, who was three and seven last season. This game's taking place in Columbia, South Carolina, today at six. Dr. Pitts, who you got? Benedict or Elizabeth City? I'm going with Elizabeth City. I'm going with Elizabeth right. City as well. All right. A whole bunch of ECSU fans over here. All right. I'm going to take Elizabeth City as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. The next one we got, we have the West End Classic or uh, the Mayor's Cup taking place in Salisbury, North Carolina, between Livingstone, who was one and eight last year, versus Catawba, who was five and four last year. Dr. Pitts, who you got? Catawba. Catawba. All right. Chris, who you got, man? Uh, yeah, I got Catawba. I got Catawba. All right. Living, hey, I don't know if y'all have seen it yet, but if y'all get a chance, y'all should Google it. Livingstone's brand new football field is amazing. It's powder blue all over the, the entire field is powder blue. Yeah, and, they're not in control of the weather or the field. <laughs> <laughs> blue is not a good luck color, apparently. The Carolinas, the the, the baby blue. So the next one we got, we got another Labor Day classic between Texas Southern versus Prairie View A&M down in Prairie View, Texas tonight at seven. Dr. Pitts, who you got? I'm going with Prairie View. Texas Southern. I'm going to go Prairie View. Chris, you going with Prairie View as well? No, Texas Southern. Texas Southern. All right. TSU. All right. Shout out to Houston. Next, we got the Dukes-Mayo Classic, which is an exciting matchup between North Carolina Central University, who was 6-5, versus the North Carolina Agriculture and Technical University, otherwise known as the Aggies of NC A&T. I'm going with A&T. Oh, okay. All right. All right. A&T. All right. Chris, who you got, man? A&T. A&T. I'm going Central. (laughs) I'm going central. I'm, I'm just I'm just go out there and go central. I hope they don't make me to look like a fool. All right. Now we got the one that I'm super excited for. I can't wait to watch this one tomorrow. We got the Orange Blossom Classic between the Jackson State University coming in at 11, 11 and 2 from last season versus Florida AM in Miami Gardens at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Now I will say this: Jackson State won this game by one point last year. So right. This I'm going no with means. the Rattlers. I'm going with Fam. Are oh, you going with Fam? Okay. I'm going with Fam. Okay. Going with Fam. You all right? I'm going with Jackson State University. You no, know, because they're they're ranked. Fam is ranked number one for the power rankings that, no. overall. And it's like you said, they only lost that game by one point. They should have won that game. I'm going with my Rattlers. Any team in Florida is better than a lot of teams other than Texas. So I'm with you on that. But I'm going with Jackson State. Okay, Jackson State. All right, bet. Jackson State. Yeah, I'm going with Jackson State, too. Uh, I just think there's just too much too much riding on this season for uh, Coach Prime and them. They got, they, you know, they got upset last year against um, South Carolina State in the championship uh-huh. game. So, I think they got blood in the water. And they got the number one player in high school in the country on their team. Uh-huh. So I'm super excited to see him play. Uh-huh. They've been saying he a young Dion in the making. So, we're going to see. So, our final three games, we got Central State versus Winston-Salem in the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic in Canton, Ohio. Who you got, Dr. Pitts? Say, so it's Central and who? Central State versus Winston-Salem State. I'm going with Central. Central, Central State? All right, me mm-hmm. too. I'm going with Central. Central had a good season last year. Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. not so much. We got the Red Tails Classic mm. between Tuskegee University versus Fort Valley State in Montgomery, Alabama. Tomorrow at 6 p.m. Dr. Pitts, who you got? I'm going with Tuskegee. Tuskegee? All right. Mm-hmm. And that I'm was go, the, who you going with? I'm probably gonna go with Fort Valley. I'm gonna take Fort Valley in this one. No, I'm going to, to Tuskegee. Tuskegee? All right, bet. Yeah. And our final game is the um uh D2 HBCU game of the week. We have <clears throat> the number 16 Bowie State University, number six in the D2 poll versus New Haven, who I believe is number 14 in the D2 poll. So it's a top 15 mm-hmm. matchup in D2. Dr. Pitts, who are you going, going with? with Bowie. Uh, Bowie, all right. Mm-hmm. I'm going with New Haven. I'm going Bowie. 
no he way. Just refused the room for uh, I'm not trusting anybody in Connecticut. Bowie got a new coach this year, so, you know, yeah. I'm anti-Bowie. Right. I think that you're going to have to start sending him the Dallas stuff now. Week one is not looking too good for Ronnie. <laughs> so I'm going to take, take a picture of these picks and lock them in. All right, there so that's it. it. So, so Chris, check back next week, and I'll have the uh, the um, uh, sheet up here for everybody's record for this week. Man, thank you for participating, man, and good luck to you, man. Hope you uh, be in the running to win this prize at the end of the season. But that's all we have, y'all. That's episode thank one you. of House Talk Pregame. Thank you, Chris, for being a part of it again, man. You always welcome back any show, man. Don't ever hesitate to hop yep. on and, and also um, – your beautiful girlfriend as well. Y'all always are allowed to be on here anytime, man. Thank you so much. Dr. Pitts, go ahead and send us off. Hey, it's Labor Day weekend, folks. We want you to have a wonderful, safe, and relaxing holiday weekend. A lot of the babies have already gone back to school. A lot of them on the East Coast get ready to go back to school on Tuesday and Wednesday. Be blessed. Stay safe. We love you. We'll see you right back here next week on House Talk pregame where mental health is the crucial factor in performance. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, gentlemen. Peace. Deuces.